Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Tips to land and excel at your dream PM gig. Sounds great. Um, so thank you, Brian, for that great introduction. Again, um, this is my very first uh, talk at Product School, so I'm super excited. Um, and it's just great to see also just a community forming um, around product management. To be honest, like I think like my first PM gig was five years ago and there wasn't really a lot of like specific communities around PM, which I'm so glad that it's changing and there's like these targeted events and things like that now. Um, so without further ado, I'll start. Um, really my outcome from this specific presentation is to just give you sort of my like just general tips about how to uh, prep and uh, what to do during an interview um, and then also like some like general advice about like how to actually excel once you get your dream um, in uh, PM gig and then the idea is that I kept the slides uh, light um, on purpose because I do want to spend give some time for question and answers because as you'll see like with PMs um, every interview is so different that you really just like it's really hard to do like a general like here's every possible question that might come on like it'll really depend on exactly what company role um, team that you're looking at so I that's why I kept it light on purpose and then I'll give plenty of time for question and answer um, so here I, I think I covered this but I'll talk about a little bit about who I am um, tips to a great interview in terms of prepping and during and then what to do once you land the job so first of all I'll start with about me so I'm, I'm from Toronto I'm Canadian um, I, I actually studied chemical engineering which is funny because at the time when I first started I was like this is not relevant at all and the more time is going I'm like this is so relevant like the more and more time goes like chemical engineering is a fantastic thing to um, study actually if you want to become a uh, product manager and I actually think some of the program manager ones even more so and uh, so the where I first started as a PM is actually at AMD so I started off as a hardware PM um, it was really fun um, I was actually on the fastest graphics card project fastest graphics card in the world at the time and it was really fun because what we were doing was we were putting two processors instead of one on a graphics card, which was revolutionary at the time. And it's actually pretty common today. Um, but had tons of fun, did that, but realized that I want to try software. So then the next thing I did was I went and became a PM at Microsoft. Um, I was there for about four years. Um, I started off in the update team. And it was a fascinating time to start in the update team because it went from we launch Windows every three years to now we're going to keep updating Windows all the time. So having to work with improving that experience of having to get your PC updated all the time, that was brutal, but made a lot, made a lot of like, there was a lot of interesting challenges, um, learned a lot, and then eventually moved on to the identity team at Microsoft. And what I owned was um, essentially all the ways to sign in without a password and just making it a lot easier to get to your stuff quickly. 
And so once I did that, uh, had a lot of fun and then eventually moved on. Actually, earlier this year, I went to Google and I'm also an identity at Google. A little different, like I, I like to th think of it as the next, next generation of identity because it's more around physical identity and how to alter spaces based on who you are. Um, and then the one fun, fun fact about me is I'm actually a certified yoga teacher, which you might, might be wondering, well, that has nothing to do with PM. And I actually think it has a lot to do with being a PM. Um, being able to relax in stressful situations is really important. So it's actually helped me out quite a bit. But I always like to throw it out there. It's just a fun fact about me. Um, so now I'll start off with tips to prep for an interview. So these are sort of the three buckets. Like I talk about research, studying the right content, content and practice. So. Um, so in terms of research, uh, this is where I'm going to start with, I wish I could stand up here and be like, there's these four categories, there's these 10 questions in each category, and if you nail all of these, you're going to get the job. Like, I, I so, so wish I could do that. I wish I had that for me. The problem is that's not true. So depending on which company, which exact role, even sometimes the team, you're going to get a variety of questions. But I find in general there's five categories of questions or six categories of questions. There's estimation, product design, strategy, strategy, strategy execution, behavioral, and technical. And um, in terms of the first four categories, which is estimation, design, strategy, and execution, depending on the company, you'll get either the full set or the subset. So at Google, you're probably gonna get the full set of these four. Um, but like Facebook is a good example of you don't get estimation questions, but you get the other three. Um, behavioral, you'll always get some flavor of it. And it ranges from tell me about yourself to tell me about a time you did X. Uh, and those will always come to so make sure you nail those. And I like to say that especially tell me about yourself. That is your elevator pitch. Please practice that one and nail that one. You're probably going to get that more, more often or not. And it really sets the pace for the, your interviews generally because it's the very first question you get. Um, the next one is some companies will have a technical round. Um, it will depend on what that technical round is. So there are companies where they're going to ask you to code. Um, it's going away more and more. Like I, I don't see it as often, but you should ask the recruiter, like, hey, am I expected to code? Um, more often or not, you'll get for technical, more like systems design questions. Like, um, you know, like, tell me what your favorite app is and what do you think under the hood, what does it look like? And they're not telling you to write the code exactly that's making that app. They're telling you things like, okay, like, what do you think? Like, there's probably some sort of an identity service. There's probably some servers. Like, there's probably some caching going on. And they're, they're essentially just looking at whether you have the terminology to be able to talk to your devs effectively rather than, like, actually trying to get you to write code. Um, so... Again, not every company will have it. Just make sure you know whether the company has it. And then based on that, determine what content is coming. And that's really important because you don't want to waste a lot of time studying one if the other one's not coming. So a good example is like in Facebook product manager interview, you would not study technical, you wouldn't study strategy, but what you would study is design and execution and behavioral. But knowing that is really important. So make sure you ask your recruiters and um, you ask your recruiter, whoever it is, just, hey, like, what should I be um, 
ready for, and then if not, then research, um, research online. And then here's another caveat I put. So PM is becoming a very, very overloaded term. So this specific presentation I'm doing is more geared towards product manager, but there's also all these other roles that are also called PM roles. Um, and it really depends on the company, what exactly they do. So program manager and technical program manager. Um, so program manager is the PM title at Microsoft, but it covers like a product management type of role to like a project management role. So it like really varies. And then you have technical program managers, which are becoming really popular in a lot of companies and they actually end up in teams with other product managers. And what happens is the product manager does more strategy, vision, that kind of a role, and the technical program manager works with the devs to really execute and get it built. So I like to say the distinction is like, what is built and then how it gets done. Um, product owner is another one that I have also been seeing popping up. A lot of product owner roles tend to be in a lot of also like old school technical, um, firms like insurance companies and stuff will have product owner roles and some of I, I think it also kind of maps closer to the TPM role and then your project manager product marketing manager product designer and they all work in the product space but it they're all very different and then it's the nuance is you have to figure out which company and and then based on the company try to figure out which what each of these PM roles do. And then based on that, you have to study for the interview. So I know that is probably really confusing, but I, I, I wish someone had told me this five years ago that this nuance does exist. So now you've done your research, you've talked to your recruiter, you know exactly which PM role you're going for, you know what are the kinds of content that are gonna come up. Okay, what do you do at this point? So the first thing I say is find the right books. Um, the two books I recommend is Cracking the PM Interview. Um, that's a classic. But I really like Decode and Conquer by Lewis Lin. So that's actually a newer one. It didn't exist the last time I was job hunting. But recently, I read it and I really liked it. Um, and what's awesome about Lewis Lin is that he actually doesn't have just this one book. He has multiple books. And then, like I was saying, depending on which exact PM role you are uh, looking at, you may have like estimation questions. And then he has a book just dedicated to estimation questions. And then he has another book, which is about all of them, like strat he has strategy questions and all of that. But again, like find, figure out what categories you would have and then go study those, that content. And then I also say Google search is your friend. Like you can Google, oh, like what does a product manager interview at Airbnb look like? And someone probably wrote a Medium article about it. So make sure you read it. The only caveat is look at the date because a lot of times some of them are a few years old, old. So if your recruiter is saying, no, there's no technical round and that Medium post said there was a technical round, go with your recruiter because a lot of this is changing. Um, so yeah, that I would say that. And then the other thing I say is that while Google searches your friend, so are your actual friends. So find people in your network that either can introduce you to the PMs, preferably folks that are working currently in that company that you're interviewing for, or that maybe have previously worked for it. And the reason why is they're probably your biggest resource because they can tell you more or less, okay, like here's probably the kinds of questions that are coming or here was my interview experience. And 
Um, the other thing I would also say is that even if you find, even if you know someone who's a dev, like say you don't know a PM at Airbnb, but you know the developer at Airbnb, ask, go ahead and ask them. Like I, more often or not, um, I found that they'll, they'll say that, I don't know, but maybe I'll ask my PM because most of the time they know a PM. So if you don't know them, you'll find someone who knows the person. Um, so that's, and then the final thing I say is that all of these books that you're going to read, they're generally going to have frameworks um, to answer any question. Find the frameworks or create frameworks that work for you. Um, don't just blindly follow frameworks. Um, I found in general, like when I, when I was earlier in my career and I was studying for interviews, I was blindly following the frameworks and that was fine. But I think now over time, I wish what I could tell like my you know, early career self that just, yes, it's great to find a framework, but then tailor it so it works for you. And so when I mean frameworks, like, so here's some very uh, popular frameworks you'll see in a lot of PM books. Um, so the circles method is the one that Lewis Lynn came up with. It's great. Um, it kind of tells you, okay, here's the things you have to think about in a product design question. That's awesome. Um, and if that works for you, great. Um, if, if you're like, mm, I don't know if that works completely for me, feel free to change it. And I've actually found when I do interview candidates and I see them put their frame, first of all, you should use frameworks because they make it look like you are very structured in your thinking. So frameworks are great. But a lot of times I actually am really impressed when the candidate just comes up with their own framework to answer a question because then it makes me think that, oh, they've thought about it because there's probably like, like for example, the circles method, it says cut through prioritization. Like that's maybe applicable in certain kinds of questions, but not all other questions. But if you go up there and you write circles down and as an interviewer, like, well, this is clearly from Lewis Lynn's book. Um, you're, it's okay, but like, I think the true, a really good interviewee knows that, okay, I can tailor this framework to, to fit that specific question. And then that makes the interviewer very impressed. Um, another one is the SWOT analysis, which is awesome for strategy questions. Um, an example of a strategy question is that, um, do you think Uber should go into the car seat market? SWOT analysis is a great framework to use for that specific one. And then um, being in the Google, like, so Google PM interview is like, sometimes it's just hilarious because they can ask you any question. So they can ask you things like, how would you price a Kindle? And you have to answer a pricing question. And, and that's actually not a typical question that people tell you about, but that could, that could come up. And, and that's one of those where maybe you should just follow that framework. Um, so that's what I mean by like, there's a bunch of frameworks you'll find throughout the books. Pick them, modify them as you need to, and then modify them at, based on the question. That's the other thing I'd say. Okay, and then the last one for um, interviewing is practice, practice, practice. So practice on your own, find a friend to practice with, What's awesome about Lewis Lynn is that um, if you don't have a friend to practice with, he set up Slack channels to find practice partners. So you can actually go on his Slack channel and it'll say Facebook PM, and then you'll find other people just like you studying for Facebook PM interviews, and you can hop on like a call with them and just practice questions with them. And, and also probably everyone here, if any of you are interviewing, you're probably great candidates for um, being practice partners. So 
make sure you have practice partners. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes you think as you're practicing on your own, like, this is awesome, I'm killing it. And then you go practice with a partner and they'll point out something really small, like, hey, maybe just pause a little bit right at the beginning. And then be like, that's, and it'll take you a second, but you'll realize like, no, that's really good advice, but that's never something you'll know if you just practice on your own. Um, another thing I say is practice in the correct environment. So it's great if you have, in, have a whiteboard, you're practicing on the whiteboard, but if it's a phone interview, that's not gonna help you because you have to appear structured in your thinking orally without visual aids. So you have to practice, so if it's a phone interview, which a lot of the times the very first round tends to be a screen, make sure how you answer questions works for the phone format. So what I do is I, I will literally just call up a friend and say, hey, can I just practice interviews with you over a phone? And it'll be funny, but they'll eventually get into it. But the point is that the question you're asking your, your friend is that, did you understand the way that I explained the question? Like, did, you, did I sound structured? Could you follow my train of thought? And if the answer is no, then like figure out, okay, what can I do? And I found with phone interviews, sometimes what helps is that you have to start saying like, okay, there's four important things. Number one, this, number two, that. And so that the, the, the person who's on the other side of the phone, they're mentally drawing that in, the, in their mental whiteboard, essentially. So make sure you practice in the correct environment. And then the last one I say is that practice the standard questions. A lot of times people will overthink, they'll practice all the really hard questions and then they get, they get the, what's your favorite product? And then they're like, ah, uh, and then you'll try to think, okay, which one should I say? And so that's actually happened to me where um, one time I, I studied like crazy and then I get um, to the interview, I have all the hard questions ready. And then they ask me, what's your favorite product? And I say, oh my gosh, okay, I guess this is Uber. What is my favorite product in Uber? And I'm like thinking, and, and the interviewer's sitting there being like, how do you not know your, like what's your favorite product? Like just pick whatever. So that, that kind of, that happens. Like more often or not, like you will probably get that question. So just have a favorite product. I personally like to pick something that's a little like it's don't pick something really bad because then the interviewer's like, okay, you clearly just have to pick the easiest product to improve. So pick something that's really good that has a very interesting way to improve it. Like that generally is your best bet. So one I love to use is Netflix. And I say, like, I'll be like, Netflix, it's already a great product. And then the second question is always like, how would you improve it? And then you're like, well, I know, because I've already practiced this. And so make sure you, you pick something which is um, like, it's a good product. That's why it would be, it would make sense for it to be your favorite product, but with a little bit of room for improvement so that you can answer that next question. So, okay. Now, during the interview, here's what I have found are four really, like, there's tons of tips for during the interview. So here are some that I've distilled that really work for me. Um, the first one's pause. So when you get asked that question, um, whatever it is, like, um, how would you improve Google Hangouts? Even though, you, if you even think you have the right answer immediately, don't say anything. Just say, give me a minute to think about it and compose your thoughts. Um, the reason why I say that is because it takes you a, it'll take you a few seconds. You'll start forming the structure in your head. You'll also, if you practiced a lot, you'll kind of remember that, okay, 
What's my framework? If there you have one. And then you'll start to kind of get your game plan together even before you start writing it down. And if it's a question where it's, it's a hard question and you don't actually know the answer to it, it gives you that time to flush it out because most of the time your best idea is not your first or even your second or even your third, you know, your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. So you want to take that time to pause and think through your, and like flush out your one, two, three and, and kind of get to your four, five, six, right? Like your, your moonshots are not your one, it's, it's your four or five. So the pause really helps. And it also helps compose you because a lot of times when you've just started the interview, it's scary, it's a new environment. Like you're like, oh my gosh, Google Plex, it's so beautiful. And, and then you're just like rattled. So taking that, like just taking that one minute of the beginning really, really helps out. So the next thing is ask questions. So here's the, here's the thing. Why asking questions is so important is because it is what you're going to be doing as a PM. So no PM role ever in the world is um, you get, it's never that you get one hour you have to design your product right there and then you ship it immediately. That almost never happens. I mean, no, that never happens. So why asking questions is important is because it's actually a true indicator of whether you would be a good PM or not. So the other thing why you want to ask questions is you want to understand kind of the perspective of your interviewer. Um, so I have this really fun story where one of my questions was, oh, design a better cafeteria. And I had a beautiful, I had a beautiful answer. I was like, oh, we're going to design this really smart kiosk, this, that. And then at the end, the product manager, my interviewer was like, why wouldn't you go with the mobile phone? Because what if these, they didn't have a kiosk? And I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. But at this point I've sunk like 20 minutes into this answer. So kind of too late. I didn't get that job. But the, the point is, I think if I just took that, First of all, if I paused, the very first question I would probably think about is that, well, where am I? Like, um, is this like, what cafeteria is this? And, and those questions are important because, and then you'll start thinking that, okay, maybe I should actually ask these questions out loud. And then once you ask these questions out loud, they'll, very start, they'll start to constrain the problem for you. And at the end of the day, that's kind of, kind of what you want to do. You want to start constraining the problem for you. Um, otherwise, it gets really tough and you, you are suddenly, it's like you have choice paralysis where you're like, okay, I can say a hundred different things and I don't know if I'm going to sound structured. So ask those questions to constrain. And then also the other thing, what I love about asking questions is it buys you time to think about more ideas. So that's another, like, if you're really like at a loss, ask questions and then take that time to kind of buy, buy more time to like think more about more ideas. Um, the third thing is that framework that I was talking about, use it. So I have found a lot of times what will happen is because it's overwhelming, it's stressful, you're thinking about a million things and then you forget things like, who was my user? <laughs> like you'll forget really basic things and it's nothing to do with your bad, your would make a bad PM. It's just because it's a stressful environment. So having some sort of that framework just in the back of your head makes you remember that, okay, I got to check some of these boxes, right? I got to think about my user. I got to think about the problem, the use cases, and it just helps you just do a mental check that, okay, I've got all of the things. And then the last one, if you're not already a PM, draw your, from the skills obtained from your other role to demonstrate why you would make a good PM. Because um, I found this really interesting study, which is that most of the people that are from, 
are in product management now come from other places. So like most, very few times are you a PM right off the bat. Like you're generally something else and then you're a PM. So it's really important to um, understand like what aspects of your job has given you a good sort of platform to become a PM and then talk about it in your, um, talk about it in, your, in the interview. So I think a behavioral question is a great place to demonstrate that because um, it's a lot of the behavioral questions will be things like, tell me about a time when you've done this. And it's a good place to sort of in inject that. Hey, yeah, like, you know, I was a, I was a software engineer in my previous role. And, but I got to like lead you know, kind of a PM in this like one thing. And I really enjoyed these aspects of it. And so showcase that showcase how you could, your, how you have demonstrated like the ability to be a good PM in your previous role. And that goes a long way. And then once you land the job, now what? And the reason why I'm actually doing this specific slide in this interview, in this interview uh, segment is because these are kind of what your interviewer is looking for. So most of the time, the interviewer is actually not looking at whether you've solved the problem. Like that's one aspect of it. But what they're looking for is have you demonstrated the skills that they believe you need to be a good PM? So, that's why I say, okay, like what are actually the, the skills to be a good PM? So there's tons, but I, for simplicity, I think there's three, in my perspective, there's three really big ones. One is communicate. So most of the time as a PM, you do not have direct reports. So you are managing horizontally. So your ability to communicate is key because you have to be persuasive. You have to be, you have to drive clarity and all of those things you can only do if you can communicate well and also tailor communication depending on who you're talking to. And the other thing I like to say, and that's not really applicable in a lot of PM interviews, but writing is thinking on paper. So becoming really good at writing is important as a PM. And that's one thing I wish I could tell myself um, when I was starting out. The reason why is you have so many stakeholders, like it's not just your um, dev team, it's not just your developers, but between customers, designers, the leadership, et cetera, there are so many people that you have to convince that it's really hard to like do it one-on-one -on -one or even through presentations. But writing is writing like strategy papers, white papers, specs, product requirement documents. Like those are the ways that you convince people. So, and um, there are certain companies that it will actually test that. So Amazon is an example. I know they don't do it for every PM role, but there are some PM roles where they will make you write. So um, make sure that not only are you good at verbal communication, but eventually you also want to be very good at written communication. Um, the next one is building great relationships. The reason for that also is the whole being able to manage horizontally. So in order to manage horizontally, you have to make sure that people actually value your opinion. And that's why like the ability to build great relationships is really key. And it's actually something interviewers do look for. So, and it's hard to demonstrate like, okay, how do you demonstrate I would be good at building great relationships? So I think some of it, that's where like the behavioral questions are really key. So you wanna make sure that the way you answer them, like, and this is honestly like, the, at least, okay, here's my perspective. The way that I answer them is I think, okay, like how can I demonstrate that like I uh, have 
like I'm not a very like I'm not the kind of person who's very difficult to work with, right? So make sure you in a behavioral question, like even if it was a really tough situation and you were wrong, make sure you say that I understand that these are these are places I could have done better in, but here's how I drew like eventually took this situation to completion. And it, uh, honestly, interviewers can normally tell if you're faking it or you're humble bragging, like do not humble brag. Like they will like see it and it eventually, it will show them like you probably do not have that ability to build great relationships. And the other thing is I think once you do land the job, the way that I have found you can build great relationships is essentially just taking people out to like coffee or lunch or dinner, which is, it, it's funny, but my old director, um, when I, at one point I was reporting to him and I would go to him with any problem, like anything. And his answer would be, well, why don't you like just put a meeting, I'll, I'll cater lunch, I'll pay for it. I was like, is that your solution to everything? And he's like, yeah. And, and what he, like, it makes a lot of sense. What he's saying is that to build great relationships, you can't just talk about work. Like you have to first like connect with them almost on a human level and then by the way, also, in terms of work, here's what I was thinking. So that's kind of a great way. And I think this, this thing is not just for interviews or for PM, just in life in general. I, I found like then that carries over for me. So anytime I'm having like a really tough situation where I really can't break through that person, like I will just go grab coffee with them and then try to first connect with them on a human level and then be like, hey, just level with me. Why, like, why do you feel this way? And most of the time, like, no, all the time, there's no bad intention. So there's just different perspectives. And it's just most of the time, like, you just do not understand where they're coming from. And they're not understanding where you're coming from. So human level, just try to try to first just get coffee with them, talk to them about their kids, understand who they are as people, and then slowly get to the work thing instead of being like, here's my presentation about how we should solve this whole thing. And then the last one this is where my yoga teacher training comes in help comes in handy is keep calm and carry on even when everything is falling apart so this is one of the things that i actually think as a pm is very important so most of the time pms deal with a lot of ambiguity and most of the time shit's falling apart so what you can't do is get stressed out because if you're stressed out, everybody is stressed out. Like very quickly, you'll stress every other person out, even though, and, and you think that I'm confused. Like why is everybody so stressed out? Most of the time it's because you're stressed out. So I find in general, um, the way to think about it is that um, a great a mentor of mine had said, um, most unhappiness comes from when you're trying to control a situation that you have no control over. And so I found sometimes you think that oh, if only this designer could just do a better job or oh, if only this dev would just code a little faster. And you think in your head, you think that's something that's controllable. And, but it's really not like that just is. So a lot of times what you do is you take a step back and you think, okay, if I were hiking and a tree fell down, would I be mad at the tree? Probably not. You'd be like, okay, I'm either gonna walk around the tree or figure out how to get rid of the tree, but I wouldn't be mad at the tree. So the thing I say is that as frustrating as any problem is, take the personal out of it, do not be mad at, at the tree, and just figure out either if you wanna go around it or, or you wanna do something about the tree. But don't just sit there and be mad at the tree. The way that, and so now if you come to the, come to the thing about being a PM, 
it's really easy to be like, it's this person's fault. And if only they could do better, we would be in a better situation. That is never the answer. That is, they're the true, that's just the situation is the tree that has fallen. So you have to figure out, you just have to be like, okay, this is what it is. We'll figure it out. Sometimes it also just gives giving it time. Like sometimes time will solve problems. So how do you demonstrate this in um, an interview? That whole thing I was talking about, pause. <laughs> That's a good way to demonstrate that. So it demonstrates that it doesn't matter how hard the question is, how nervous you were, you were able to take a step back, think about it, be calm. That framework I talked about, like they were able to like just use the framework and that demonstrates to an interviewer that, okay, if things fell apart, you have the ability to step back, pause a little, think about it, use draw from your previous experiences and work your way through the problem somehow. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.